Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Interviewing top sports personalities from around the nation in order to provide you next level insight and analysis into your Cleveland Browns. Blue Wire Hustle proudly presents All Eyes on Cleveland. And now, here is your host, Brad Ward. Welcome to All Eyes on Cleveland. I'm your host, Brad Ward. This is the Deshaun Watson Judgment React Show with a couple special guests here tonight uh, as we are going to dive into everything uh, Deshaun Watson and his... uh, Six-game suspension handed down by Sue L. Robinson today, this morning. Um, I'd like to first and foremost bring in our, our first guest. His name is Daniel Wallach. He's the founder of Wallach Legal. Uh, he is the legal analyst at The Athletic and host of Condentrimental Podcast, a co-host of Condentrimental Podcast, where you can uh, catch that podcast where all popular podcasts are found. Welcome to the show, Daniel. It's fine to, uh, great to finally connect with you, sir. Uh, Brad, it's been a long time, uh, long time in the making. We finally got together. And, and by the way, where can one find all popular podcasts? Uh, I, I think we're <laughs> everywhere. Place where you, where you are, right? Just just wherever you guys are. Uh, we can probably be found there as well. I think we're on Apple, Spotify. But I was That's thinking- right. Let's dive in right away here to uh, the decision today. I want to get your thoughts on this. Obviously, the 15-page decision from Sue Robinson has been uh, publicized now. Uh, and first, let's just go with this. First reaction, six games, kind of what you thought maybe? I predicted eight. To begin with, I was crediting Deshaun Watson's disparate discipline argument in that, you know, he's pointing to all these other owners who've been accused of alleged sexual misconduct and they, they're not investigated, let alone disciplined. I also viewed his um, inactivity last year as being exacerbated by um, Roger Goodell's um, indecision on whether to place him on the on the exempt list. And that cost that definitely cost him some games. So. The way I, I ultimately saw this was that she would pick a middle ground amount. I mean, there were just too many cases, too yeah. many cases and too many settlements to, to think that, well, there's no violation of the personal conduct policy here. It really came down to what would be a fair and appropriate punishment. And that's exactly what her decision focused on, the fairness of the discipline, as well as the consistency of the discipline as it, you know, at relative to other cases involving similar players accused of nonviolent uh, offenses. So I thought eight games would have been the appropriate middle ground amount to give the NFL its pound of flesh, so to speak, but also maybe to dissuade both sides from pursuing an appeal. But what she did was come in a little bit below that figure, and she may have created a an unintentional problem for the National Football League, because not only is the, is the punishment light from the NFL's perspective, but she wrote in her opinion that the NFL needs to give players fair notice that they're going to treat nonviolent offenses, uh, 
equally, if not more serious than violent offenses, which which uh, you know require a baseline suspension of six games or more. And the NFL was asking for one year or more in this instance. And she's saying that, you know, if you look at past uh, comparators, other similarly situated players for for nonviolent offenses, the most that's ever been meted out previously was three games. So if the league wants to treat uh, nonviolent offenders along the same lines as violent offenders, six games or more, or more than six games, you've got to put the players on notice by making a change to the personal conduct policy. And I think that reasoning is enough for the National Football League to take an appeal of her decision, because if they make an appeal, this becomes binding, you know, law of the shop or precedent that could be used in future decisions. So I think the, the league almost has no choice to pursue an appeal, raise the suspension, hope Watson challenges in a federal court and have a federal court vindicate the NFL's flexibility in allowing a wide range of sentencing discretion for both violent and nonviolent offenses under the personal conduct policy. It's almost like the league has no choice here. She's made an issue or decision, a ruling on a foundational notice issue, which, if left unaddressed and non-challenged, basically becomes the law in you know in the NFL justice system. Yeah, and they, it, and they, it ties the league's hands. Yeah, they set that precedence, and, and they can't come back from it in, in future cases. That makes a lot of sense. Let me bring this up here. This is in the uh, conclusion here. Uh, let's bring this up on the screen. Here's today's show. All right. Uh, and then I had this ready for us here, but exactly what you're talking about is right here, I believe. Um, and where they talk about the great, you're in the right, you're in the right ballpark pages 13 through 16, but right before the conclusion, there's a, a lengthy discussion on the issue of fairness and the and the league's uh, dramatic change in position on treating nonviolent offenses the same as violent offenses, and she's saying the league has to change its personal conduct policy, put the players on notice that this is this is going to be the punishment for that type of conduct, and instead the league has given the players no notice as to how it's going to punish for nonviolent offenses. If you're going to create uh, a, a minimum uh, punishments, let's say six games or one year or more with respect to uh, nonviolent offenses, there needs to be some fair notice. Uh, by contrast, they created that notice requirement, put the players exactly on notice. What would be the cert- what would be the punishment in the event that a player was found to, co- to have committed a violent offense in violation of the personal conduct policy? That would be the six game or more. And in every situation involving violent offenses, the discipline rendered has exceeded or or been at least six games or more. By contrast, nonviolent offenses have garnered at most only a three-game suspension. So this would be a dramatic de facto change in the policy without giving the players sufficient notice of that change. Yeah, here it reads, uh, here the NFL is attempting to impose a more dramatic shift in its culture without the benefit or fair notice to and consistency of consequence for those in the nfl subject to the policy that's it so, that's it that's it yeah all right so uh, one thing that that j- jumped out to me and let me ask you about this so it came down six games but i you know when you talk about the watson the the stuff that and i find it in, extremely interesting that they almost you almost feel like they have to appeal because of the the language right but even the stuff about Watson, they found 
uh, that he affirmatively found by a preponderance of evidence that Watson engaged in nonviolent sexual assault conduct uh, in, in endangered the safety and well-being of another person and his behavior uh, undermined and put at risk the integrity of the NFL. Those are like the three things they outlined, right? Like the three violations of the code of conduct that are really outlined. In, and in the language, though, they she goes into basically saying that she feels he lied on the stand. Uh, you didn't, know, that didn't he didn't show remorse, didn't show, remorse. did not show any remorse. So like those things, her saying that basically she didn't believe him. Uh, and she lays out that basically there was, you know, the, the girls or the, the women's account of what happened. And I won't get into the details as far as him, you know, basically doing something that he said that he didn't, uh, would, uh, you know, that that they found it uh, she found those her their testimony more credible because she could uh you know basically go through text messages and think conversations with friends and things like that to uh corroborate the, the, their testimony but watson's testimony they couldn't corroborate at all she basically said she didn't believe him and well, no remorse with with those factors in there or that's how i read it maybe i'm wrong you can elaborate here but that's how i read it no remorse you know basically saying that he was untruthful on the stand do those things make it easier for the nfl to appeal in your opinion no i don't think it has any bearing because she she's essentially agreed with the nfl's argument that he violated the personal conduct policy committed conduct detrimental to the you know integrity of the national football league and found by a preponderance of the evidence it was more likely than not that he did these things it doesn't have to doesn't suggest or or indicate that it happened with a certainty or that he didn't believe she didn't believe watson at all but based okay. upon this heightened evidentiary standard uh judge robinson uh felt that the league made better showing and found that a violation was committed and where it ultimately changed in terms of what drove the decision was the notion of fairness of consistent fairness and consistency notice to the players and looking at other comparative or comparable cases where other players were disciplined under the personal conduct policy both for nonviolent offenses and for violent offenses she's dealing from the universe of these prior cases and saying that you know we're, we're you know other athletes or other players similarly situated received a lesser suspension for nonviolent crimes but a higher suspension only for violent criminal offenses. So she's putting Watson's, uh, you know, situation at the very top of the trajectory in terms of the most severe punishment that she could have rendered for nonviolent offenses. And I think what makes Watson's case different than some of the other comparable cases is, is that there were four four accusers. Yeah. This is not one isolated instance. This is four, and he settled twenty one out of twenty five cases. Didn't show remorse. Um, and you know, to his credit, she she reasoned that he was a first-time offender, uh, but ultimately uh, she wanted the discipline. Uh, she she focused her, her her rationale for only a six-game suspension was that it was in line with other similarly situated players accused of nonviolent offenses, and you can't start uh, suspending players like they've been committed like they're committing violent offenses when the, the baseline for violence it, it, with respect to the offenses, six games or more, and for nonviolent non offense, and she stressed 
that Watson was not accused of committing acts of violence. And looking looking at comparable cases, which she's obligated to do, uh, the most any player had ever been suspended for a nonviolent offense under the personal conduct policy is three games. And she she quoted Roger Goodell directly from his arbitration ruling in Deflategate. I mean, that was basically hoisting him by his own his, his own petard. She read <laughs> here that she is she wrote, "I am bound by standards of fairness and consistency of treatment among players similarly situated." She quoted that language, and in the footnote, she said, "Citation to Brady uh, at page five, which is Judge, which is Roger Goodell's own language." from his arbitration ruling. And she wrote that by ignoring past decisions, by because none involves similar conduct, the NFL is not just equating violent conduct with nonviolent conduct, but has elevated the importance of the latter without any substantial evidence to support its position. And I do not believe it is appropriate to do so without notice of the extraordinary change this position portends for the NFL and its players. What she's saying is that just as the NFL revised its personal conduct policy in the wake of the Ray Rice debacle uh, by set, by setting forth a baseline suspension of six games for acts involving violence, so too should a similar revision have been made if the league wanted to treat nonviolent offenses equally, if not more seriously, than violent offenses. So to put those two on par, the players needed the same kind of notice that they received right after the Ray Rice decision. And that notice was utterly lacking here. Yeah. And so that, okay, that is part of the reason you think they have to appeal, right? Because they can't be bound to that in the future. So when they appeal, uh, if you, you believe they will appeal, correct? As you said, they uh, almost have to. I think they shouldn't, but I believe that language is so problematic. Okay. And potentially hand tying of the league's future flexibility that they have little choice, but to um, you know I wouldn't say nullify it, but raise the suspension and let a federal okay. court uh, weigh in on that issue. Uh, but that 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 could have unintended consequences. The federal court could end up agreeing with Judge Robinson, and now that not only becomes the law of the shop from an arbitration perspective opinion, uh, but it actually binds the NFL in all future court cases. So be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Uh, so I, th I think the NFL has, has a, 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 there's, there's a, a good reason for taking an appeal, but the downside risk associated with pursuing it may not be worth the limited upside. You're watching All Eyes on Cleveland with special guest Daniel Wallach. He is the founder of Wallach Legal, legal analyst for The Athletic, co-host of Con Detrimental Podcast. Uh, he is coming to us from Dubai right now. How about that? Fantastic. Uh, and uh, appreciate your time here tonight, Daniel. Question about that process. So the appeal, say the appeal comes in, likely met, like you said, with a lawsuit from Watson's camp, right? Well, so, it at first. Okay hinges on what Roger Goodell does in his capacity as the appellate judge. Okay. Uh, he could he could decide um, not to do anything and leave the initial discipline intact, in which sure. case, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's no basis for Deshaun Watson to pursue a federal court lawsuit. But right. if, if Roger Goodell um, does anything to 
nullify, neutralize, or water down Judge Robinson's reasoning as to the issue of fair notice and the disciplining of players for non-violent conduct, if, if, he, if he does anything to pull that back, reverse it, um, then that's going to be met with a federal court lawsuit from, from Watson's camp. But it really does depend on, on how far Roger Goodell goes, both in eradicating that reasoning and tacking on additional games to Watson's suspension. For example, if he, if he only adds two more games, that might not be enough justification for Deshaun Watson to, 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 to file a lawsuit. But if he extends the discipline to a full year, then yeah. what he's essentially doing is give is granting the National Football League's original recommendation, giving it the rubber stamp and imposing his own sense of industrial discipline. And that could be problematic in the federal court. So before, you know, before game planning, you know, future lawsuits, I think all eyes are going to be on not on Cleveland only, but on Roger Goodell <laughs> and how far he goes in his appellate ruling, because the mere filing of an appeal doesn't necessarily guarantee that that uh, Sue Robinson's uh, fair notice uh, reasoning is going to be nullified. If, but if that's what Roger Goodell does, the NFL Players Association will have no choice but to go to federal court, not only to advance that battle on behalf of Watson, but this is going to impact all players in the future yeah. who, are, who are accused of nonviolent offenses that could be uh, subjected to uh, suspensions of indefinite duration, even though the even though the underlying conduct didn't involve violence, that's an important principle that's worth you know that's worth fighting for. Not only in Watson's case, but in all future cases. If that's kind of like the pivot point for them, or the or the key point, that fair notice, right? When's the earliest? Like, say this this goes through with eight games and they don't battle it and everything's fine. When can the NFL go to amend that? Like, can they, like this off season, can they go into the language and try to amend that for future cases? How does that work? They can do exactly what they did in the Ray Rice case. The, the, the personal conduct policy was never the subject of collective bargaining between management and the players. The league unilaterally created that policy out of its own, you know, you know, on, on its own whim without consultation. Yeah. With the union so what they could do here is the same thing they did with the ray rice scenario and and they could revise the personal conduct policy for all cases going forward that would seem to be the more sensible approach than to you know risk an adverse court ruling by trying to um, uh, litigate the issue of whether judge robinson was right on that point yeah yeah, they could just correct it in the off season or, or at whenever. Okay, that that's interesting too. Um, th I wanted to ask you this because for for those of us that aren't lawyers, this is kind of this gets wild when we talk about this going to federal court. What exactly would a federal court be ruling on if they were to get to that point? So say what say that you know Goodell appeals to way past where he should be, uh, you know, and, and rubber stamps it, like you said, and gives him a, hits him with a heavy suspension. And Watson's, Watson's camp comes back, or the NFLPA comes back and, and, and takes it to federal court. What exactly are they ruling on? Are they ruling on, like, what? I, 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 I get lost there. Are they actually ruling on the initial ruling? Are they ruling on what Goodell can do? What is the actual ruling by the, by the federal the, the, court? Well, I think the better question is to, is to ask what the relief sought will be. And when okay. they go into federal court, the, the Players Association, which will be the named plaintiff, not Deshaun yeah. Watson, 
they won't be asking for money damages or to sue for violations of, of any contracts or statutes. They will be asking the federal judge to vacate Roger Goodell's decision. So when okay. you're challenging a labor arbitration decision in federal court, you're asking the court to vacate it based upon one of several, any of several enumerated grounds, I think, in the Federal Arbitration Act. Uh, you, can, you can set aside a labor arbitration award under very narrow circumstances. And I think in the, in the Deflategate court decision, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit, which will be the court that governs here, because in all likelihood, the league is not going to wait for Deshaun Watson to challenge Roger Goodell's decision in federal court. The league will, will run to the courthouse first and file their own federal lawsuit to confirm Roger Goodell's arbitration decision. I mean, it's two sides of the same coin, but yeah. the motivation for the NFL to file the suit offensively or defensively would be to secure the favorable forum. They want to sue in New York, yeah. which was the, the court or the, the jurisdiction that is governed by the Deflategate ruling. Whereas the Players Association, if they had their druthers, would either file in the District of Minnesota, where they've had great successes suing the National Football League in years past, or they could file suit in the District of Delaware, the location of the arbitration before Judge Robinson, and, and not, in, not coincidentally, the same bench where Judge Robinson once served as a federal judge. So you can understand the league's reluctance to being dragged into uh, a Delaware federal court where the judge assigned to the case is likely going to be a former colleague of Judge Robinson, who <laughs> would be much more likely to support her decision and, sure. and, and, and rule against the league. So the league wants to control the timing of when the appellate decision comes out, because the moment it comes out, they're in control of it. It's Roger Goodell's decision. They will run to downtown Manhattan as fast as you can imagine and file that lawsuit before Deshaun Watson or the NFLPA knows what hit them. So let's assume New York, the NFL will be the plaintiff. And the only question for the federal court to consider is whether the arbitrator, uh, Roger Goodell, exceeded his authority under the collective bargaining agreement. That's the only scope of inquiry. The court can't ask whether he got it right or whether he got it wrong. Court can't reweigh the evidence. Court can't even weigh in on whether the amount of discipline was appropriate. Its review is extraordinarily limited to, to asking whether the, the arbitrator acted within the scope of his authority. And when the players agreed to a 2020 CBA in which they ceded to Roger Goodell the ability to serve as the appellate judge and to modify, increase the discipline, They've given him that scope of authority. So I don't know how Watson's team wins in federal court unless unless the commissioner imposes the full one year suspension. And then it begins to look like he's imposing his own sense of industrial justice or own brand of industrial justice because he's simply vindicating the NFL's original argument, nullifying everything that ju that Judge Robinson decided. So th there is a risk there. But anything short of one year. I think the NFL holds the clear upper hand in any federal court battle. That's why her reasoning on the issue of fair notice is really important for Deshaun Watson and the NFLPA, because then that's a that's a, a legal issue 
that's of do that's of you know constitutional dimensions the issue of fair notice to the accused of what the punishment will be for a criminal offense that raises constitutional concerns and that might be an issue that Watson can win on in federal court. Whereas if it was the factual findings below, the weight of the evidence, I think Roger Goodell has granted a very wide berth under federal arbitration law to basically do anything he wants to do within reason because the players expressly gave him that authority. But all bets are off when we're yeah. talking about the issue of fair notice to the accused of what the probable punishment would be, then that implicates the federal constitution. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, terrific stuff, Daniel. Outstanding. Uh, you know, amazing work here. And let me ask you this. A lot of people that just look at this are going to say, and they're, they're not going to compare it to, you know, the average fan isn't going to compare it or break it down to nonviolent and violent. They're going to look at, at Calvin Ridley full year. They're going to look policy. at different policy. That's the I know. Policy. I know. Right. And Cal and Deandre Hopkins, six games. They're going to say, you know, right and wrong like that's what they're going to say but it's completely different right like we're talking about on the field off the field different policies all together right and this is this is why you have independent neutral disciplinary officers that aren't going to you know you know just react to public criticism or decide cases based upon what the public wants that's what the nfl does the NFL, the NFL you know, always considers the reactions of the fans, its customers, the sponsors. That's not fair punishment. That, no. that's, that's punishment by, based on you know, a popularity contest and you know, what, what's driven by commercial interests. The reason, the reason the players fought so hard for Sue Robinson was to have a neutral, independent disciplinary officer decide the uh, you know, first range or first phase of discipline without fear, without favor, and without kowtowing to fans or other people or other stakeholders that don't have any stake in the controversy. They're not part of this lawsuit. They're not part of this controversy. Disciplinary decisions can't be based upon what the public wants to see and what the public thinks is the appropriate pound of flesh. It has to be based upon a clear application of, of the policy to the facts at hand based upon her review of the evidence. And it is not something that is, uh, you know, uh, subject to the whim of you know, public opinion polling. That's not how cases should be decided, particularly when a player's you know, career is at stake. You know, Deshaun Watson is going to be playing quarterback for the Cleveland Browns at age 50. He's got a limited time to apply his trade. And Judge Robinson shouldn't be basing, no disciplinary officer should be basing punishment which could sideline a player for significant portions of his career based upon what some outside interests without any direct stake in the controversy feel is an appropriate punishment that's why we have bench trials why we have judges deciding cases juries of peers it's not based upon what people in the general public think and uh you know that this is this is precisely why you want an independent neutral judge deciding these cases and not bending to the will of, you know, the public support or, or, you know, what sponsors are looking for. 
Yeah, because it, it feels like, so So I'm correct in saying that uh, they have three days to appeal, right? Three so, business days, okay. which is significant because on the back end, Watson gets two business days to respond. So if the okay. NFL takes its full allotment of three business days, that means they're filing their appeal on Thursday. And Watson would then get until Monday following the long weekend to file his response because that's two business days. So he would really be getting extra time by virtue of when the initial three-day deadline falls out on, which is on a Thursday. So the league gets three business days, and but in reality, Watson would get uh, you know four calendar days to respond. It's really not a big deal, uh, but it's just one of the anomalies of using business days instead of calendar days as the operative deadline. Uh, you know, for the appeals. Coincidentally, yeah. uh, that third day falls on the first preseason game in Canton, Ohio, for the Hall of Fame game. So, strangely enough, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Do you think um, it feels like? And you were you were saying how it's not okay for like what the NFL to do, Roger Goodell to take the polling or view the public opinion, but it feels like that's what the NFL is going to do over the next three days. Is that fair to say? Uh, they, they base a lot of their operations on optics, it feels like. Well, but if they, if they were to do that, this is where Judge Robinson's uh, findings become really important in the federal court process. Because a federal judge reviewing this case will will, will um, consider very strongly any infirmities in the arbitration ruling that violate constitutional rights. Yeah. And the issue of fair notice and putting the players on some kind of reasonable notice that if they commit a nonviolent offense under the conduct policy, they could be they could be uh, disciplined. Uh, for at least the same, if not greater, than for offenses um, that involve violence. I mean, it's counterintuitive that you would, you you would you would discipline, non you discipline for nonviolent offenses more seriously or equals equally as seriously as for violent offenses. But there are multiple there are multiple acts here uh, to consider, and that's my that may be where Roger Goodell is able to to you know walk that fine line without nullifying Judge Robinson's reasoning on the issue of fair notice and just saying that in light of the um, number of offenses involved, and we're talking about four witnesses, that even if you were to uh, limit the punishment to the three-game baseline that has been the comparator used for other nonviolent offenses, by virtue of the fact that we have four incidents, even if we use the three-game maximum, that was the largest suspension ever for an offense not involving violence, four times three equals 12. And that might be one way for, for Roger Goodell to justify a 12 game or more or thereabout suspension without uh, implicating Judge Robinson's uh, you know findings as to the lack of fair notice. If this thing goes to federal court, if it goes the whole I would be very I would be very happy. I get to I get to be all, all eyes on Cleveland again. What, what's, what's there not to like about it? I'm out of business. If, listen, if this case ends with no appeal, I got to move on to something else. So I'm I've, I've been banking on the fact that this is going to land in federal court and, and keep me pretty busy until Labor Day. So uh, that's what my question was going to be. How long are we looking at uh, the process extending at that point? Well, if the briefs or if the appellate filings are going to be concluded by Monday. 
um, August 8th. I imagine it would take Roger Goodell two weeks at the most to render his appellate ruling, which takes it to August 22nd. And then, you know, the NFLPA would file a lawsuit in federal court shortly thereafter. There's no rush here because this is not about placing Watson on the active list for week one. He's already going to be serving a minimum of six games. So, yeah. uh, you know, even 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 looking at this in the best possible light for Watson and the NFLPA, the earliest he's going to step on the field is in late October. But the yeah. lawsuit would have to be filed, I think, in late August, or probably would be filed in late August, and, and the, the union and Watson would file a, a, a complaint seeking to set aside the labor arbitration award, or they would respond to the NFL's petition to confirm the arbitration award. But regardless of, of who's the first to file and where it's filed, the union is going to have to ask a federal court to weigh in immediately because those six weeks elapse pretty quickly. And most, most federal court lawsuits take a year or longer. Watson can't wait the full cycle of a federal court lawsuit to find out whether he's won or lost. He's going to ask the court for immediate injunctive relief in the form of a motion for a temporary restraining order and or a motion for a preliminary injunction. By making that emergency request, he's teeing it up for immediate preliminary ruling by the federal court. So while he has six weeks that he's definitely got to sit on the sidelines, those six weeks are going to are going to go pretty rapidly. And he wants a court to hold a hearing and issue a ruling no sooner than the middle of October. And the only way to accomplish that is by asking the court for a temporary restraining order. So I think if this ends up in federal court in late August, uh, it will be pretty um, it will be a matter of days before Watson asks for the immediate injunctive relief. And then a federal court will hold a hearing on the issue, just like occurred in the Ezekiel Elliott dispute in 2017. It occurred in Deflategate in 2015. So we're going to have a hearing in federal court probably late August, early September. And that ruling will determine whether Watson's suspension above and beyond six games is vacated or whether he has to serve it. And I know we're looking a few steps ahead, but if the NFL appeals, I think where this is ultimately going to end up is in federal court. Okay. Daniel, you've been fantastic. Daniel Wallach uh, of The Athletic, legal analyst, founder of Wallach Legal, and of course, co-host of Con Detrimental, as you mentioned yeah, earlier, actually, Con Detrimental. Actually, yeah, Con Detrimental is the Twitter handle. Uh, it's a short handle because Conduct Detrimental was taken. Con, so, Conduct so Detrimental, there you go. That's the Twitter handle. The podcast is called Conduct Detrimental, named coincidentally or not coincidentally after the language in Article 46 of the CBA, the podcast that was created by Deflategate. Perfect. Perfect for perfect for you. I mean, that's totally on brand, right? For everything that we're talking about here. Okay, my last question to you is this: In your opinion, I'm gonna ask ask you to kind of reach into your, you know, maybe predictive skills or give me a percentage. What are the chances that the NFL does it, or, or, or the NFL Roger Goodell doesn't appeal, leaves it at six games, maybe throws on a fine or something and says, hey, we'll take care of uh, the fair notice in the offseason. Is there any chance that happens? Or are you are you leaning heavily towards an appeal here? I think the smart play would be for the league to address the personal conduct fair notice issue ASAP by revising okay. the policy forthwith okay. and not wait until the end of the season there's a lot of conduct that could occur between now and the end of the regular season so what the point, league could yeah. do what Goodell could do is 
increase the discipline by a few games, you know, to eight games, 10 games or 12 games without necessarily nullifying Judge Robinson's decision because there are four, there were four accusers. The maximum suspension for any nonviolent offense was three games. So I think, I think if Goodell was acting with a sense of proportion here, he would land at 10 to 12 games and then they, the league would revise the policy immediately to provide more notice and greater clarity around the range of discipline and punishment for nonviolent offenses. That's what the league should do. What the league probably will do is, is file their appeal and go for the jugular, and Roger Goodell probably won't be able to help himself. He'll over-discipline Deshaun Watson, essentially nullifying Judge Robinson's well-reasoned opinion and calling into question whether the league has ignored her uh, finding as to the lack of fair notice to the players on the issue of nonviolent offenses. Uh, it, you know, if the league acts consistent with its past conduct with respect to players, they're going to go for the, th they're going to go for the jugular here. And this is going to end up in federal court. But if I were the commissioner, if I were advising the commissioner, I would just say, let just take your lumps now, revise the policy, and then you won't have this issue. Uh, you know, uh, this issue boomerang on you quite the same way in the future. But I, I have a sense uh, that the NFL won't uh, act with a sense of proportion here and will <laughs> over-discipline Deshaun Watt. They wanted a year. Yeah. And they want yeah. a year now. And yeah. they're unhappy with that decision. And they have, within their power, the ability to magically transform this di disciplinary decision from six games to an indefinite suspension of one year or more. But that's going to come at a great cost to the NFL, which is um, th their, th the perception that the league will have essentially undercut Judge Robinson in her first rodeo, her first disciplinary case, a seasoned federal judge. Somehow Roger Goodell, who doesn't have a law degree, knows more than Judge Robinson. So the downside risk to the league is one from a public relations and optics perspective, but also if they go overboard on this discipline, they run the risk of having an adverse federal court ruling, which can be harmful to the league in future cases. So I, I, I guess the answer is we'll see what the league should do versus what the league will do are often two very different things. You're absolutely right, Daniel. Uh, Daniel Wallach, follow him at Wallach Legal, founder of Wallach Legal, uh, legal analyst for The Athletic, co-host of Conduct Detrimental Podcast, where all popular podcasts are found. That would be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you want to go, grab it, listen to him. He's fantastic. He's the, he's the best you can get to talk about this stuff, breaking it down. We are truly blessed to have him on Eliza in Cleveland. I hope to have you back, sir. You were great. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Brad. It was a pleasure making my debut appearance. I'm sorry it was delayed a little bit, but a uh, great thing about this case is I think we'll have a few more bites at the apple. So uh, it's going to be a long way between now and the end of the federal court lawsuit. Let's hope. But thanks for having me on. Okay. Thanks, Daniel. Hey, enjoy Dubai there. All right. Or at least the business lounge. Okay. <laughs> All, right. All right. Thanks, Daniel. Daniel Wallach of uh, Wallach Legal, legal analyst for The Athletic, co-host of Conduct Detrimental Podcast. Follow him on Twitter. He's a must-follow. He's fantastic. He's been all over the place. He was on 92.3. He was on uh, Jake Burns' show. He's been everywhere. Uh, he was on um, Sports for Clee on Friday when I was on as well. He's fantastic. you got to listen to him when he's breaking down this uh 
Watson case, and we wanted to have him on right after the uh, decision. And uh, you know, it's interesting the stuff that coming down to the, the you know the fair notice language is kind of what he pointed out from breaking down uh, Sue Robinson's uh, um, you know 15 page stuff, and that basically. You know, by laying that out that there wasn't fair notice there and that kind of uh, leaves a loophole for Watson to get the six games or whatever uh, as far as the language goes that he feels kind of almost that they are going to have to uh, appeal or have to try to change that language moving forward. So we'll see how uh, if that comes true, if they appeal. Um, it, it felt like that Daniel's take on this was uh, that he expected an appeal from the NFL. Um, and, uh, you know, whether they, he kind of laid it out too, whether they take that all the way to, um, the full year or whether they, uh, just, uh, take this to, um, uh, eight games, 10 games, 12 games will be interesting to see. And he also said that we likely end up at that point, um, if it goes all the way to above 10 games, he thought we would likely go to federal court, um, where the federal court judge is just basically checking to see if there is the ability for Roger Goodell to make the ruling that he is, but it's in the it's in the CBA that he has final say. I mean, the Players Association signed off on this, so the, it's kind of their own fault that Goodell is in the position that he's in to do whatever he wants after of you know the ruling from Sue Robinson. However, optically, it looks terrible if he does anything. Uh, But it's interesting that he feels that uh, the uh, fair notice language in the um, ruling may force their hand to appeal and and get that amended right away. Listen, we got another guest for you tonight. We got Jared Mueller coming on here momentarily. Stick with us. We will be right back here in a couple moments. Uh, Don't go anywhere. This is All Eyes on Cleveland. It's the Watson react show don't go anywhere the great jared mueller managing editor of uh the browns wire where i write as well will join us here in just a moment Uh, so hang with us here and we will be right back